the divine Pymander of Hermes Trismegistus. By Hermes Trismegistus. This is an adult brain audiobook production, read by Graham Dunlop. To the reader. Judicious reader. This book may justly challenge the first place for antiquity, from all the books in the world, being written some hundreds of years before Moses his time, as I shall endeavor to make good. The original, as far as is known to us, is Arabic, and several translations thereof have been published, as Greek, Latin, French, Dutch, etc., but never English before. It is pity the learned translator had not lived and received himself the honor and thanks due to him from Englishmen for his good will to and pains for them in translating a book of such infinite worth out of the original into their mother tongue. Concerning the author of the book itself, four things are considerable, viz. his name, learning, country, and time. One, the name by which he was commonly styled is Hermes Trismegistus i.e. Mercurius, Ter Maximus, or the thrice greatest intelligencer. And well might he be called Hermes, for he was the first intelligencer in the world, as we read of, that communicated knowledge to the sons of men by writing or engraving. He was called Ter Maximus, for some reasons, which I shall afterwards mention. 2. His learning will appear, as by his works, so by the right understanding the reason of his name. 3. For his country, he was king of Egypt. For his time, it is not without much controversy betwixt those that write of this divine, ancient author what time he lived in. Some say he lived after Moses his time, giving this slender reason for it. These, because he was named Ter Maximus, or being preferred, according to the Egyptian customs, being chief philosopher, to be chief of the priesthood, and from thence to be chief in government or king. But if this be all their ground, you must excuse my dissent from them, and that for this reason, because according to the most learned of his followers, he was called Ter Maximus, for having perfect and exact knowledge of all things contained in the world, which things he divided into three kingdoms, as he calls them, viz. mineral, vegetable, animal, which three he did excel in the right understanding of, also because he attained to and transmitted to posterity, although in an enigmatical and obscure style, the knowledge of the quintessence of the whole universe, which universe, as I said before, he divided into three parts, otherwise called the great elixir of the philosophers, which is the receptacle of all celestial and terrestrial virtues, which secret many ignorantly deny, many have chargeably sought after, yet few, but some, yea, and Englishmen, have happily found. The description of this great treasure is said to be found engraved upon a smaragdon table in the valley of Ebron, after the flood, so that the reason before alleged to prove this author to live after Moses seems invalid. Neither doth it any way appear that he lived in Moses his time, Although it be the opinion of some, as of Jan Funkius, who saith in his chronology that he lived twenty-one years before the law was given by Moses in the wilderness. But the reasons that he and others give are far weaker than those that I shall give. 
for his living before Moses, his time. My reasons for that are these. First, because it is received amongst the ancients that he was the first that invented the art of communicating knowledge to the world by writing or engraving. Now, if so, then in all probability he was before Moses. For it is said of Moses that he was from his childhood skilled in all the Egyptian learning, which could not well have been without help of literature, which we never read of any before that invented by Hermes. Secondly, he is said by himself to be the son of Saturn, and by others to be the scribe of Saturn. Now Saturn, according to historians, lived in the time of Sarug, Abraham's great-grandfather. I shall but take in Suetus his judgment, and so rest satisfied, that he did not live only before, but long before Moses. His words are these, Credo Mercurium Trismagistus Sapientem Egyptium Florice Ante Feronem. This book, though so very old, is contained more true knowledge of God and nature than in all the books in the world besides. I accept only sacred writ, and they that shall judiciously read it and rightly understand it may well be excused from reading many books, the authors of which pretend so much to the knowledge of the Creator and creation. If God ever appeared in any man, he appeared in him as it appears by this book, that a man who had not the benefit of his ancestor's knowledge, being, as I said before, the first inventor of the art of communicating knowledge to posterity by writing, should be so high a divine and so deep a philosopher, seems to be a thing more of God than of man. And therefore it was the opinion of some that he came from heaven, not born upon earth. There is contained in this book that true philosophy without which it is impossible ever to attain to the height and exactness of piety and religion. According to this philosophy, I call him a philosopher that shall learn and study the things that are, and how they are ordered and governed, and by whom, and for what cause, or to what end. And he that doth so will acknowledge thanks to and admire the omnipotent creator, preserver, and director of all these things. And he that shall be thus truly thankful may truly be called pious and religious. And he that is religious shall more and more know where and what the truth is. And learning that, he shall yet be more and more religious. The glory and splendor of philosophy is in endeavoring to understand the chief good as the fountain of all good. Now how can we come near to, or find out the fountain, but by making use of the streams as a conduct to it? The operations of nature are streams running from the fountain of good, which is God. I am not of the ignorant and foolish opinion of those that say, the greatest philosophers are the greatest atheists, as if to know the works of God and to understand his goings forth in the way of nature must necessitate a man to deny God. The scripture disapproves of this as a sottish tenet, and experience contradicts it. For behold, here is the greatest philosopher, and therefore the greatest divine. Read understandingly this ensuing book and for thy help they mayest make use of the voluminous commentary written upon it, then it will speak more for its author than can be spoken by any man, at least by me. Thine and the love of the truth. J. F. Hermes Trismegistus, his first book.
I, oh my son, write this first book, both for humanity's sake and for piety towards God. For there can be no religion more true or just than to know the things that are, and to acknowledge thanks for all things to him that made them, which thing I shall not cease continually to do. What then should a man do, O father, to lead his life well, seeing there is nothing here true? Be pious and religious, O my son, for he that doth so is the best and highest philosopher, and without philosophy it is impossible ever to attain to the height and exactness of piety or religion. But he that shall learn and study the things that are, and know they are ordered and governed, and by whom, and for what cause, or to what end, will acknowledge thanks to the workman, as to the good father, an excellent nurse, and a faithful steward. And he that gives thanks shall be pious or religious. And he that is religious shall know both where the truth is, and what it is, and learning that, he will be yet more and more religious. For never, O son, shall or can that soul, which while it is in the body lightens and lifts up itself to know and comprehend that which is good and true, slide back to the contrary. For it is infinitely enamored thereof, and forgetteth all evils. And when it hath learned and known its father and progenitor, it can no more apostatize or depart from that good. And let this, O son, be the end of religion and piety whereunto when thou art once arrived, thou shalt both live well and die blessedly, whilst thy soul is not ignorant whether it must return and fly back again. For this only, O son, is the way to the truth which our progenitors travelled in, and by which, making their journey, they at length attained to the good. It is a venerable way, and plain, but hard and difficult for the soul to go in that is in the body. For first must it war against its own self, and after much strife and dissension, it must be overcome of one part, for the contention is of one against two, whilst it flies away, and they strive to hold and detain it. But the victory of both is not like, for the one hasteth to that which is good, but the other is a neighbor to the things that are evil, and that which is good desireth to be set at liberty, but the things that are evil, love, bondage, and slavery. And if the two parts be overcome, they become quiet and are content to accept of it as their ruler. But if the one be overcome of the two, it is by them led and carried to be punished by its being in continuance here. This is, O son, the guide in the way that leads thither. For thou must first forsake the body before thy end and get the victory in this contention and strifeful life and when thou hast overcome, return. But now, O my son, I will by heads run through the things that are. Understand thou what I say, and remember what thou hearest. All things that are moved, only that which is not, is unmovable. Every body is changeable. Not every body is dissolvable. Some bodies are dissolvable. Every living thing is not mortal. Not every living thing is immortal. That which may be dissolved is also corruptible. That which abides always is unchangeable. That which is unchangeable is eternal. That which is always made is always corrupted. 
that which is made but once is never corrupted, neither becomes any other thing. First, God. Secondly, the world. Thirdly, man. The world for man, man for God. Of the soul, that part which is sensible is mortal, but that which is reasonable is immortal. Every essence is immortal. Every essence is unchangeable. Everything that is, is double. None of the things that are stand still. Not all things are moved by a soul, but everything that is, is moved by a soul. Everything that suffers is sensible. Everything that is sensible suffereth. Everything that is sad rejoiceth also, and is a mortal living creature. Not everything that joyeth is also sad, but is an eternal living thing. Not every body is sick. Every body that is sick is dissolvable. The mind in God. Reasoning or disputing or discoursing in man. Reason in the mind. The mind is void of suffering. No thing in a body true. All that is incorporeal is void of lying. Everything that is made is corruptible. Nothing good upon earth, nothing evil in heaven. God is good, man is evil. Good is voluntary or of its own accord. Evil is involuntary or against its will. The gods choose good things as good things. Time is a divine thing. Law is humane. Malice is the nourishment of the world. Time is the corruption of man. Whatsoever is in heaven is unalterable. All upon earth is alterable. Nothing in heaven is servanted. Nothing upon earth free. Nothing unknown in heaven. Nothing known upon earth. The things upon earth communicate not with those in heaven. All things in heaven are unblameable. All things upon earth are subject to reprehension. That which is immortal is not mortal. That which is mortal is not immortal. That which is sown is not always begotten. But that which is begotten always is sown. Of a dissolvable body, there are two times. One from sowing to generation, one from generation to death. Of an everlasting body, the time is only from the generation. Dissolvable bodies are increased and diminished. Dissolvable matter is altered into contraries. To wit, corruption and generation, but eternal matter into itself. And its like. The generation of man is corruption. The corruption of man is the beginning of generation. That which offsprings or begetteth another is itself an offspring or begotten by another. Of things that are, some are in bodies, some in their ideas. Whatsoever things belong to operation or working are in a body. That which is immortal partakes not of that which is mortal. That which is mortal cometh not into a body immortal, but that which is immortal cometh into that which is mortal. Operations or workings are not carried upwards, but descend downwards. Things upon earth do nothing advantage those in heaven, 
but all things in heaven do profit and advantage the things upon earth. Heaven is capable and a fit receptacle of everlasting bodies, the earth of corruptible bodies. The earth is brutish, the heaven is reasonable or rational. Those things that are in heaven are subjected or placed under it, but the things on earth are placed upon it. Heaven is the first element. Providence is divine order. Necessity is the minister or servant of providence. Fortune is the carriage or effect of that which is without order, the idol of operation, a lying fantasy or opinion. What is God? The immutable or unalterable good. What is man? An unchangeable evil. If thou perfectly remember these heads, thou canst not forget those things which in more words I have largely expounded unto thee, for these are the contents or abridgment of them. Avoid all conversation with the multitude or common people, for I would not have thee subject to envy, much less to be ridiculous unto the many. For the like always takes to itself that which is like, but the unlike never agrees with the unlike. Such discourses as these have very few auditors, and peradventure very few will have, but they have something peculiar unto themselves. They do rather sharpen and wet evil men to their maliciousness, therefore it behooveth to avoid the multitude and take heed of them, as not understanding the virtue and power of the things that are said. How dost thou mean, O Father? Thus, O Son, the whole nature and composition of those living things called men is very prone to maliciousness and is very familiar, and as it were nourished with it and therefore is delighted with it. Now this white, if it shall come to learn or know that the world was once made and all things are done according to providence and necessity, destiny or fate, bearing rule over all, will he not be much worse than himself? despising the whole because it was made? And if he may lay the cause of evil upon fate or destiny, he will never abstain from any evil work. Wherefore we must look warily to such kind of people, that being in ignorance, they may be less evil for fear of that which is hidden and kept secret. The End of the First Book The Second Book called Poemander. My thoughts being once seriously busied about the things that are, and my understanding lifted up, all my bodily senses being exceedingly holden back, as it is with them that are very heavy of sleep, by reason either of fullness of meat or of bodily labor, methought I saw one of an exceeding great stature and an infinite greatness call me by my name and say unto me, What wouldest thou hear and see? Or what wouldst thou understand, to learn, and know? Then said I, Who art thou? I am, quoth, the Poemander, the mind of the great Lord, the most mighty and absolute emperor. I know what thou wouldst have, and I am always present with thee. Then said I, I would learn the things that are, and understand the nature of them, and know God. How? said he. I answered, that I would gladly hear. Then he, have me again in thy mind, and whatsoever thou wouldst learn, I will teach thee. When he had thus said, 
he was changed in his idea or form, and straightway in the twinkling of an eye all things were opened unto me. And I saw an infinite light, all things were become light, both sweet and exceedingly pleasant, and I was wonderfully delighted in the beholding it. But after a little while there was a darkness made in part, coming down obliquely, fearful and hideous, which seemed unto me to be changed into a certain moist nature, unspeakably troubled, which yielded a smoke as from fire, and from whence proceeded a voice unutterable and very mournful but inarticulate, insomuch that it might seem to have come from the light. Then from that light a certain holy word joined itself unto nature, and out flew the pure and unmixed fire from the moist nature upward on high. It was exceeding light and sharp and operative withal, and the air which was also light followed the spirit and mounted up to fire from the earth and the water insomuch as it seemed to hang and depend upon it. And the earth and the water stayed by themselves so mingled together that the earth could not be seen for the water, but they were moved because of the spiritual word that was carried upon them. Then said Poemander unto me, Dost thou understand this vision, and what it meaneth? I shall know, said I. Then said he, I am that light, the mind, by God, who am before that moist nature that appeared out of darkness, and that bright and lightful word from the mind is the Son of God. How is that, quoth I? Thus replied he, Understand it. That which in thee seeth and heareth the word of the Lord, and the mind, the Father, God, differ not from the other, and the union of these is life. Trismeg, I thank thee. Pymand, but first conceive well the light in thy mind and know it. When he had thus said for a long time, we looked steadfastly one upon the other, insomuch that I trembled at his idea or form. But when he nodded to me, I beheld in my mind the light that is in innumerable and the truly indefinite ornament or world, and that the fire is comprehended or contained in or by a most great power and constrained to keep its station. These things I understood, seeing the word of Pymander. And when I was mightily amazed, he said again unto me, Hast thou seen in thy mind that archetypal form, which was before the interminated and infinite beginning? Thus Pymander to me. But whence quoth I, or whereof are the elements of nature made? Pymander. The will and counsel of God, which taking the word and beholding the beautiful world and the archetype thereof, imitated it and so made this world by the principles and vital seeds or soul-like productions of itself. For the mind being God, male and female, life and light, brought forth by his word, another mind, the workman, which being God of the fire, and the spirit fashioned and formed seven other governors, which in their circles contain the sensible world, whose government or disposition is called fate or destiny, straightway leaped out, or exalted itself from the downward-born elements of God, the word of God, into the clear and pure workmanship of nature, and was united to the workman mind, for it was consubstantial. And so the downward-born elements of nature were left without reason 
that they might be the onely matter. But the workmen, mind, together with the word, containing the circles and whirling them about, turned round as a wheel, his own workmanships, and suffered them to be turned from an indefinite beginning to an undeterminable end, for they always begin where they end. And the circulation or running round of these, as the mind willeth, out of the lower or downward-born elements brought forth unreasonable or brutish creatures, for they had no reason, the air-flying things and the water such as swim. And the earth and the water were separated, either from other, as the mind would, and the earth brought forth from herself such living creatures as she had, four-footed and creeping beasts, wild and tame. But the father of all things, the mind being life and light, brought forth man, like unto himself whom he loved as his proper birth, for he was all beauteous, having the image of his father. For indeed God was exceedingly enamored of his own form or shape, and delivered unto it all his own workmanships. But he seeing and understanding the creation of the workman in the whole, would needs also himself fall to work, and so was separated from the father, being in the sphere of generation or operation. Having all power, he considered the operations or workmanships of the seven. But they loved him, and every one made him partaker of his own order. And he learning diligently and understanding their essence and partaking their nature, resolved to pierce and break through the circumference of the circles, and to understand the power of him that sits upon the fire. And having already all power of mortal things, of the living, and of the unreasonable creatures of the world, stooped down and peeped through the harmony, and breaking through the strength of the circles, so shewed and made manifest the downward-born nature, the fair and beautiful shape or form of God, which, when he saw, having in itself the unsatiable beauty, and all the operation of the seven governors, and the form or shape of God, he smiled for love as if he had seen the shape or likeness in the water or the shadow upon the earth of the fairest humane form. And seeing in the water a shape, a shape like unto himself, in himself he loved it and would cohabit with it, and immediately upon the resolution ensued the operation and brought forth the unreasonable image or shape. Nature presently laying hold of what it so much loved did wholly wrap herself about it, and they were mingled for they loved one another. And for this cause man above all things that live upon earth is double, mortal because of his body, and immortal because of the substantial man. For being immortal and having power of all things, he yet suffers mortal things, and such as are subject to fate or destiny. And therefore being above all harmony, he is made and become a servant to harmony. And being hermaphrodite, or male and female and watchful, he is governed by and subjected to a father that is both male and female and watchful. After these things I said, Thou art my mind, and I am in love with reason. Then said Pymander, This is the mystery that to this day is hidden and kept secret. For nature being mingled with man brought forth a wonder most wonderful for he having the nature of the harmony of the seven. From him whom I told thee, the fire and the spirit, nature continued not, but forthwith brought forth seven men, all males and females, 
and sublime, or on high, according to the natures of the seven governors. And after these things, O Pymander, quoth I, I am now come into a great desire, and longing to hear, do not digress or run out. But he said, Keep silence, for I have not yet finished the first speech. Trism, behold, I am silent. Pyman, the generation, therefore, of these seven was after this manner. The air, being feminine, and the water, desirous of copulation, took from the fire its ripeness, and from the ether, spirit. And so nature produced bodies after the species and shape of men. And man was made of life and light into soul and mind, of life the soul, of light the mind. And so all the members of the sensible world continued unto the period of the end, bearing rule and generating. Hear now the rest of that speech thou so much desirest to hear. When that period was fulfilled, the bond of all things was loosed and untied by the will of God. For all living creatures, being hermaphroditical, or male and female, were loosed and untied together with man. And so the males were apart by themselves, and the females likewise. And straightways God said to the Holy Word, Increase in increasing, and multiply in multitude, all you my creatures and workmanships. And let him that is undued with mind know himself to be immortal, and that the cause of death is the love of the body, and let him learn all things that are. When he had thus said, Providence by fate and harmony, made the mixtures and established the generations, and all things were multiplied according to their kind. And he that knew himself came at length to the superstantial of every way substantial good. But he that through the error of love, love the body, Abideth, wandering in darkness, sensible, suffering the things of death. Trism. But why do they that are ignorant sin so much, that they should therefore be deprived of immortality? Pymand, thou seemest not to have understood what thou hast heard. Trism. Peradventure, I seem so to thee, but I both understand and remember them. Pymand. I'm glad, for thy sake, if thou understoodest them. Trism, tell me why they are worthy of death, that are in death. Pymand, because there goeth a sad and dismal darkness before its body, of which darkness is thy moist nature, of which moist nature the body consisteth in the sensible world, from whence death is derived. Hast thou understood this aright? Trism, but why, or how, doth he that understands himself go or pass into God? Pime, that which the word of God said, say I, because the Father of all things consists of life and light, whereof man is made. Trism, thou sayest very well. Pime, God and the Father is light and life, of which man is made. If therefore thou learn and believe thyself to be of the life and light, thou shalt again pass into life. Trism, but yet tell me more, O my mind, how I shall go into life. Pime, God faith, let the man endued with a mind mark, consider, and know himself well. Trism, have not all men a mind? Pime, 
Take heed what thou sayest. For I the mind come unto men that are holy and good, pure and merciful, and that live piously and religiously. And my presence is a help unto them. And forthwith they know all things, and lovingly they supplicate and propitiate the Father. And blessing him they give him thanks, and sing hymns unto him, being ordered and directed by filial affection and natural love. And before they give up their bodies to the death of them, they hate their senses, knowing their works and operations. Rather I that am the mind itself will not suffer the operations or works, which happen or belong to the body, to be finished and brought to perfection in them. But being the porter and doorkeeper, I will shut up the entrances of evil and cut off the thoughtful desires of filthy works. But to the foolish and evil and wicked and envious and covetous, and murderous, and profane, I am far off giving place to the revenging demon, which applying unto him the sharpness of fire, tormenteth such a man sensible, and armeth him the more to all wickedness, that he may obtain the greater punishment. And such a one never ceaseth, having unfulfillable desires, and unsatiable concupiscences, and always fighting in darkness. For the demon afflicts and tormenteth him continually, and increaseth the fire upon him more and more. Trism. Thou hast, O mind, most excellently taught me all things, as I desired. But tell me moreover, after the return is made, what then? Pymand. First of all, in the resolution of the material body, the body itself is given up to alteration, and the form which it had becometh invisible. And the idle manners are permitted and left to the demon and the senses of the body return into their fountains, being parts, and again made up into operations. And anger and concupiscence go into the brutish, or unreasonable nature, and the rest striveth upward by harmony. And to the first zone it giveth the power it had of increasing and diminishing. To the second, the machination of plotting of evils, and one effectual deceit, or craft. To the third, the idle deceit of concupiscence, to the fourth, the desire of rule, and unsatiable ambitions, to the fifth, profane boldness, and the headlong rashness of confidence, to the sixth, evil and ineffectual occasions of riches, and to the seventh zone, subtle falsehoods, always lying in wait. And then being made naked of all the operations of harmony, it cometh to the eighth nature having its proper power, and singeth praises to the Father with the things that are, and all they that are present rejoice and congratulate the coming of it. And being made like to them with whom it converseth, it heareth also the powers that are above the eighth nature, singing praise to God in a certain voice that is peculiar to them. And then in order they return unto the Father and themselves deliver themselves to the powers, and becoming powers, they are in God. This is the good, and to them that know to be deified. Furthermore, why sayest thou what resteth? But that understanding all men, thou become a guide and a way leader to them that are worthy, that the kind of humanity or mankind may be saved by God? When Pymander had thus said unto me, he was mingled among the powers. But I giving thanks and blessing the Father of all things rose up, being enabled by him and taught the nature of the nature of the whole, and having seen the greatest sight or spectacle, 
and I began to preach unto men the beauty and fairness of piety and knowledge. O ye people, men born and made of the earth, which have given yourselves over to drunkenness and sleep, and to the ignorance of God, be sober, and seize your surefit, whereto you are allured and invited by brutish and unreasonable sleep. And they that heard me come willingly, and with one accord. And then I said further, Why, O men of the offspring of the earth, why have you delivered yourselves over unto death, having power to partake of immortality? Repent and change your minds, you that have together walked in error, and have been darkened in ignorance. Depart from that dark light, be partakers of immortality, and leave or forsake corruption. And some of them that heard me, mocking and scorning, went away, and delivered themselves up to the way of death. But others, casting themselves down before my feet, besought me that they might be taught. But I, causing them to rise up, became a guide of mankind, teaching them the reasons how and by what means they may be saved. And I sowed in them the words of wisdom and nourished them with ambrosian water of immortality. And when it was evening, and the brightness of the same began wholly to go down, I commanded them to go down, I commanded them to give thanks to God. And when they had finished their thanksgiving, every one returned to his own lodging. But I wrote in myself the bounty and beneficence of Pymander, and being filled with what I most desired, I was exceeding glad. For the sleep of the body was the sober watchfulness of the mind, and the shutting of my eyes the true sight, and my silence great with child, and full of good, and the pronouncing of my words the blossoms and fruits of good things. And thus came to pass, or happened unto me, which I received from my mind, that is, Pymander, the Lord of the Word, whereby I became inspired by God with the truth. For which cause, with my soul and whole strength, I give praise and blessing unto God the Father. Holy is God the Father of all things. Holy is God, whose will is performed and accomplished by his own powers. Holy is God that determineth to be known, and is known of his own, or those that are his. Holy art thou, that by thy word hast established all things. Holy art thou, of whom all nature is the image. Holy art thou, whom nature hath not formed. Holy art thou, that art stronger than all power. Holy art thou, that art greater than all excellency. Holy art thou who are better than all praise. Accept these reasonable sacrifices from a pure soul and a heart stretched out unto thee. O thou unspeakable, unutterable, to be praised with silence, I beseech thee that I may never err from the knowledge of thee. Look mercifully upon me and enable me and enlighten with this grace those that are in ignorance, the brothers of my kind, but thy sons. Therefore I believe thee, and bear witness, and go into the life and light. Blessed art thou, O Father, thy man would be sanctified with thee, as thou hast given him all power. The End of the Second Book The Fourth Book Called The Key Yesterday's speech, O Asclepius, I dedicated to thee. This day's 
it is fit to dedicate to Tet, because it's an epitome of those general speeches that were spoken to him. God, therefore, and the Father, and the good, O Tet, have the same nature, or rather also the same act and operation. For there is one name or appellation of nature and increase, which concerneth things changeable, and another about things unchangeable, and about things unmovable, that is to say, things divine and humane, every one of which himself will have so to be. But action or operation is of another thing, or elsewhere, as we have taught in other things, divine and humane, which must here also be understood. For his operation, or act, is his will, and his essence, to will all things to be. For what is God and the Father, and the good, but the being of all things that yet are not, and the existence itself of those things that are? This is God, this is the Father, this is the good, whereunto no other thing is present or approacheth. For the world, and the Son, which is also a father by participation, is not for all that equally the cause of good and of life to living creatures. And if this be so, he is altogether constrained by the will of the good, without which it is not possible either to be or to be begotten or made. But the father is the cause of his children, who hath a will both to sow and nourish that which is good by the son. For good is always active, or busy in making, and this cannot be in any other, but in him that taketh nothing, and yet willeth all things to be. For I will not say, O Tat, making them. For he that maketh is defective in much time, in which sometimes he maketh not, as also of quantity and quality. For sometimes he maketh those things that have quantity and quality, and sometimes the contrary. But God is the Father, and the good, in being all things. For he both will be this, and is it, and yet all this for himself, as is true, in him that can see it. For all things else are for this, it is the property of good to be known. This is the good, O Tet. Tet. Thou hast filled us, O Father, with a sight, both good and fair, and the eye of my mind is almost become more holy by the sight or spectacle. Trism. I wonder not at it, for the sight of good is not like the beam of the sun, which being of a fiery shining brightness maketh the eye blind by his excessive light, that gazeth upon it, rather the contrary, for it enlighteneth, and so much increaseth the light of the eye, as any man is able to receive the influence of this intelligible clearness. For it is more swift and sharp to pierce, and innocent or harmless withal and full of immortality. And they that are capable, and can draw any store of the spectacle and sight, do many times fall asleep from the body, into this most fair and beauteous vision, which thing Celius and Saturn are progenitors obtained unto. Tet. I would we also, O Father, could do so. Trism. I would we could, O Son, but for the present we are less intent to the vision and cannot yet open the eyes of our minds to behold the incorruptible and incomprehensible beauty of that good. But then shall we see it, when we have nothing at all to say of it. For the knowledge of it is a divine silence, and the rest of all the senses. For neither can he that understands that understand anything else, 
nor he that sees that see anything else, nor hear any other thing, nor in some move the body. For shining steadfastly upon and round about the whole mind, it enlighteneth all the soul, and losing it from the bodily senses and motions, it draweth it from the body, and changeth it wholly into the essence of God. For it is possible for the soul, O son, to be deified while yet it lodgeth in the body of man, if it contemplate the beauty of the good. Tet, how dost thou mean deifying father? Trism, there are differences, O son, of every soul. Tet, but how dost thou again divide the changes? Trism, hast thou not heard in the general speeches that from one soul of the universe are all those souls? which in all the world are tossed up and down, as it were, and severally divided? Of these souls there are many changes, some into a more fortunate estate, and some quite contrary. For they which are of creeping things are changed into those of watery things, and those of things living in the water, to those of things living upon the land. And airy ones are changed into men, and humane souls, that lay hold of immortality, are changed into demons. And so they go on into the sphere or region of the fixed gods. For there are two queers, or companies of gods, one of them that wander and another of them that are fixed. And this is the most perfect glory of the soul. But the soul entering into the body of a man, if it continue evil, shall neither taste of immortality nor is partaker of the good. But being drawn back the same way, it returneth into creeping things and this is the condemnation of an evil soul. And the wickedness of a soul is ignorance, for the soul that knows nothing of the things that are, neither the nature of them, nor that which is good, but is blinded, rusheth and dasheth against the bodily passions. And unhappy, as it is, not knowing itself, it serveth strange bodies and evil ones, carrying the body as a burden, and not ruling, but ruled. And this is the mischief of the soul. On the contrary, the virtue of the soul is knowledge, for he that knows is both good and religious, and already divine. Tet. But who is such a one, O father? Trism. He that neither speaks nor hears many things, for he, O son, that heareth two speeches or hearings fighteth in the shadow. For God and the Father and good is neither spoken nor heard. This being so in all things that are, are the senses, because they cannot be without them. But knowledge differs much from sense, for sense is of things that surmount it, but knowledge is the end of sense. Knowledge is the gift of God, for all knowledge is unbodily, but useth the mind as an instrument, as the mind useth the body. Therefore both intelligible and material things go both of them into bodies. For, and contraposition, that is, setting one against another, and contrariety, all things must consist. And it is impossible it should be otherwise. Tet. Who therefore is this material God? Trism. The fair and beautiful world, and yet it is not good, for it is material and easily passable, nay, it is the first of all passable things, and the second of the things that are, and needy, or wanting someone else. And it was once made, and is always, and is ever in generation, and made and continually makes or generates things that have quantity and quality. For it is movable, and every material motion is generation, 
but the intellectual stability moves the material motion after this manner. Because the world is a sphere that is a head, and above the head there is nothing material, as beneath the feet there is nothing intellectual. The whole universe is material, the mind is the head, and it is moved spherically, that is like a head. Whatsoever, therefore, is joined or united to the membrane or film of this head, wherein the soul is, is immortal, and is in the soul of a made body, hath its soul full of the body. But those that are further from that membrane have the body full of soul. The whole is a living white, and therefore consisteth of material and intellectual. And the world is the first, and man the second living white after the world, but the first of things that are mortal. And therefore hath whatsoever benefit of the soul all the other have. And yet for all this he is not only not good, but flatly evil, as being mortal. For the world is not good, as it is movable, nor evil, as it is immortal. But man is evil, both as he is movable, and as he is mortal. But the soul of man is carried in this manner. The mind is in reason, reason in the soul, the soul in the spirit the spirit in the body, the spirit being diffused and going through the veins and arteries and blood, both moveth the living creature, and after a certain manner beareth it. Wherefore some also have thought the soul to be blood, being deceived in nature, not knowing that first the spirit must return into the soul, and then the blood is congealed, the veins and arteries emptied, and then the living thing dieth, and this is the death of the body. All things depend of one beginning, and the beginning depends of that which is one and alone. And the beginning is moved, that it may again be a beginning. But that which is one standeth and abideth, and is not moved. There are therefore these three, God the Father, and the good, the world, and man. God hath the world, and the world hath man, and the world is the Son of God, and man as it were the offspring of the world. For God is not ignorant of man, but knows him perfectly, and will be known by him. This only is healthful to man, the knowledge of God. This is the return of Olympus. By this only the soul is made good, and not sometimes good and sometimes evil, but of necessity good. Tet. What meanest thou, O father? Trism. Consider, O son, the soul of a child, when as yet it hath received no dissolution of its body which is not yet grown, but is very small. How then, if it look upon itself, it sees itself beautiful, as not having been yet spotted with the passions of the body, but as it were depending yet upon the soul of the world. But when the body is grown and distracteth the soul, it engenders forgetfulness and partakes no more of the fair and the good, and forgetfulness is evilness. The like also happeneth to them that go out of the body, for when the soul runs back into itself, the spirit is contracted into the blood, and the soul into the spirit. But the mind being made pure and free from these clothings, and being divine by nature, taking a fiery body, rangeth abroad in every place, leaving the soul to judgment, and to the punishment it hath deserved. Tet. Why dost thou say so, O father, that the mind is separated from the soul, and the soul from the spirit? When even now thou saidst the soul was the clothing or apparel of the mind and the body of the soul. Trism, O son, 
He that hears must co-understand and conspire in thought with him that speaks. Yea, he must have his hearing swifter and sharper than the voice of the speaker. The disposition of these clothings or covers is done in an earthly body, for it is impossible that the mind should establish or rest itself naked and of itself in an earthly body. Neither is the earthly body able to bear such immortality. And therefore, that it might suffer so great virtue, the mind compacted as it were and took to itself the passable body of the soul as a covering or clothing. And the soul being also in some sort divine useth the spirit as her minister and servant, and the spirit governeth the living thing. When therefore the mind is separated and departeth from the earthly body, presently it puts on its fiery coat, which it could not do, having to dwell in an earthly body. For the earth cannot suffer fire, for it is all burned of a small spark. Therefore is the water poured round about the earth as a wall or defense to withstand the flame of fire. But the mind being the most sharp or swift of all the divine cogitations, and more swift than all the elements, hath the fire for its body. For the mind, which is the workman of all, useth the fire as his instrument in his workmanship. And he that is the workman of all useth it to the making of all things as it is used by man to the making of earthly things only. For the mind that is upon earth, void or naked of fire, cannot do the business of men, nor that which is otherwise the affairs of God. But the soul of man, and yet not every one, but that which is pious and religious, is angelical and divine. And such a soul, after it is departed from the body, having striven the strife of piety, becomes either mind or God. And the strife of piety is to know God and to injure no man, and this way it becomes mind. But an impious soul abideth in its own essence, punished of itself, and seeking an earthly and humane body to enter into. For no other body is capable of a humane soul, neither is it lawful for a man's soul to fall into the body of an unreasonable living thing. For it is the law or decree of God to preserve an humane soul from so great a contumely and reproach. How then is the soul of man punished, O Father, and what is its greatest torment? Herm. Impiety, O my son, for what fire hath so great a flame as it? Or what biting beast doth so tear the body as it doth the soul? Or dost thou not see how many evils the wicked soul suffereth, roaring and crying out? I am burned, I am consumed, I know not what to say or do. I am devoured, unhappy wretch, of the evils that compass and lay hold upon me, miserable that I am, I neither see nor hear anything. These are the voices of a punished and tormented soul, and not as many. And thou, O son, thinkest that the soul going out of the body grows brutish or enters into a beast, which is a very great error for the soul punished after this manner. For the mind... When it is ordered or appointed to get a fiery body for the services of God, coming down into the wicked soul, torments it with the whips of sins, wherewith the wicked soul being scourged turns itself to murthers and contumelies and blasphemies and diverse violences and other things by which men are injured. But into a pious soul the mind entering leads it into the light of knowledge, and such a soul is never satisfied with singing praise to God and speaking well of all men, and both in words and deeds always doing good in imitation of her father. Therefore, 
O son, we must give thanks and pray that we may obtain a good mind. The soul, therefore, may be altered or changed into the better, but into the worse it is impossible. But there is a communion of souls, and those of gods communicate with those men, and those of men with those of beasts. And the better always take of the worse, gods of men, men of brute beasts, but god of all. For he is the best of all, and all things are less than he. Therefore is the world subject unto God, man unto the world, and unreasonable things to man. But God is above all, and about all, and the beams of God are operations, and the beams of the world are natures, and the beams of man are arts and sciences. And operations do act by the world, and upon man by the natural beams of the world. But natures work by the elements, and man by arts and sciences. And this is the government of the whole, depending upon the nature of the one, and piercing or coming down by the one mind, than which nothing is more divine, and more efficacious or operative, and nothing more uniting, or nothing is more one, the communion of gods to men and of men to gods. This is the bonest genius, or good demon, blessed soul that is fullest of it, and unhappy soul that is empty of it. Tet, and wherefore, father? Trism, no, son, that every soul hath the good mind, for of that it is we now speak, and not of that minister, of which we said before, that he was sent from the judgment. For the soul without the mind can neither do nor say anything, for many times the mind flies away from the soul, and in that hour the soul neither seeth nor heareth, but is like an unreasonable thing, so great is the power of the mind. But neither brooketh it an idle or lazy soul, but leaves such a one fastened to the body, and by it pressed down. And such a soul, O son, hath no mind, wherefore neither must such a one be called a man. For man is a divine living thing, and is not to be compared to any brute beast that lives upon earth but to them that are above in heaven that are called gods. Rather, if we shall be bold to speak the truth, he that is a man indeed is above them, or at least they are equal in power, one to the other. For none of the things in heaven will come down upon earth and leave the limits of heaven, but a man ascends up into heaven and measures it. And he knoweth what things are on high and what below, and learneth all other things exactly. And that which is the greatest of all, he leaveth not the earth, and yet is above. So great is the greatness of his nature. Wherefore we must be bold to say that an earthly man is a mortal God, and that the heavenly God is an immortal man. Wherefore by these two are all things governed, the world and man, but they and all things else of that which is one. The End of the Fourth Book Thank you for listening to this sample. To continue listening to this book and for access to all of our other full audiobooks, please subscribe for $7.77 per month. Go to adultbrain.ca or follow the link in the show notes. This will be a completely separate podcast with a new RSS feed and will have all the titles from this feed as well. Thank you for your help and support in bringing rare and forgotten books to audio for the world.